been married for 26 years, pastoring for 25 years, and uh, has his, his oldest child is uh, 24 years old. So, amen. So he's got some longevity when it comes to pastoring, amen. So without further ado, if you would, let's receive the man of God. Let's give him a kingdom welcome all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Come on and show him some love. Amen. Please remain standing. They tell me this is a crazy crowd. They, they said this is the real church here. I won't tell the other group, but they said you're the good guys and the loud guys. No, no. It's your birthday. That's why you're loud. <laughs> um, I, I heard something come out of the previous service. I'm a real African, by the way. So look good and long and get over it. <laughs> this is the way we look over there. We're uh, very diverse. They speak, um, we have 11 official languages in South Africa. Official. Official. You hear me say kinte kunte, somewhere in between the sermon. Just, it's one of those languages. I don't know which one. <laughs> Amen. When you walk into a great house like this, you recognize great leadership because great things like this don't just fall out of the sky. It doesn't happen. God don't build churches. You don't build buildings. You don't put these things together. It's men that he uses and anoints. And there are many people that has the call and the mandate on their life, but not everyone can deliver. Not every pregnancy delivers. And so uh, we've got to celebrate when, when, he, when he delivers. I'm talking about spiritual pregnancy. And so you have to absolutely honor and appreciate uh, this man and woman of God that the Lord has given to you. You always shout louder to your own prophet, your own angel, your own apostle than you shout for any guest speaker. When pastors won't tell you this, but they feel it when you go all out of your way for a guest speaker. And you never do the same for them. So can we appreciate the man and woman of God this morning in this place? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, baby. <laughs> A wonderful couple and you know not everyone can spot when someone has something for the church there's many people that invite many jokers to the church I'm no joker and so they they've sensed and spotted an anointing and that's why I'm here this morning amen um, to which I'm hoping and praying I'll be able to bless you this morning amen uh, to all of the leadership in this church we greet you in Jesus name I bring you greetings from my ministries in Cape Town and somewhere else in, on the continent of Africa. We've got a few more things happening, schools and orphanages that we work through an organization called the Joseph Assignment. And um, my wife for 26 years and all my kids, all of them, all the kids, amen. Can we get into the word this morning? Amen. Remain standing. We're going to read a few verses of scripture and then you can sit down as soon as I'm done. 
Go with me to the book of, let's start with Genesis chapter 11. And I want to read from verse 5. Um, let me read from verse 3 so you get the pretext as well. And they said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down. Somebody said the Lord came down. Come on, say it again. The Lord came down. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. They were still building and the Lord came down. Verse 6, and the Lord said, if as one people, say that with me, if as one people, say it again, if as one people, speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I want you to note that this is God's testimony of man God saw something and then he said if as one people speaking the same language they've begun they've begun they've begun to do this it's not about what they built but a principle that they used to build he says then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them he says come let us go down somebody say come let us go down come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18. Matthew 8 and 18. Matthew 8 and 18. And when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then the teachers of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air. Uh, have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Father, we thank you. I pray today, O oh God, the anointing that you've placed in me for this day before time began, that that anointing will come out in this place and that you would speak to this people, O oh God change a heart and a life, change a mind in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way down to your seats, clap hands and somebody say yes. I, 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 I want to talk and go somewhere today, but I don't want you to. This is a very diverse crowd and I want you to not assume that you know where I'm going when I'm going where I'm going until I get to where I'm going. Is that alright with you? We all get there together. Amen. So, um, we, we have a challenge in society um, and the challenge is birthed by our fear of each other. And I was born under apartheid in South Africa. Apartheid, as you said, apartheid in South Africa. And I was part of the people who fought for freedom. We fought physically fought for freedom. And um, one of the things I found is 
from the perspective of being saved, I saw the other part of the segregation that exceeds politics and social status and social affairs. The Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. And to every matter under the sun, there is a spirit and there is a letter. Um, when you buy a house or rent a house from someone or buy a car, um, there's a general spirit in the agreement that I would like to buy a car and I give you in the spirit an agreement that I will pay for this car. And so we sign a contract, which is a letter. And the letter only works when the spirit of the matter is violated. And so we've been trained in modern day society to not explore the spirit of an issue, but rather the letter of an issue. Because we've become Googleitarians and we need the facts instantly. I need to know now what the fact is. And so all of our arguments are not based on agreements that's made in the spirit, but it's based on fact. And we will argue with one another about the details of an agreement and we'll pull out a contract instead of sitting down and say, let's talk about the spirit around the table when we discuss the agreement before we sign the contract. Because when we went into any agreement, it was not based first on letter, but it was based on spirit that one wanted to do good to the other. Be that as it may, we've become a society that's been bent and we look at things differently. But as people of faith, we cannot look at the matter only from the perspective of the letter. We have to look at the spirit of a matter as well. What was the spirit of an issue? Uh, we cannot look at the economy in the United States and we cannot look at the political affairs only from the perspective of a document. As people of the faith, we have to say, what is behind this thing? So if economists tomorrow, they project that there will be another recession, the people of faith need to look at the spirit and dare to stand in the middle of a drought and say there's going to be rain. Because as much as we understand the truth of the letter, the spirit of the matter can change the thing. It was Abram that said that he recognized that his body was as good as dead and his wife's womb was already dead. I recognize with, to the letter of the matter that we can't do this thing. But the Bible says without weakening in his, in his faith, he still believed because the spirit of the matter was alive while the letter was dead. That God had the power to do what he said he would do. And so when we look at things like segregation and we look at separation and splits and all those things, it is easy to look at it from a social perspective and from a perspective of haters and hatees and say that this is nothing but the evil of people. The question is where is it birthed from? Because any matter first birth in the spirit. I bought a car because I wanted to do the right thing. But when I couldn't pay, they hit me with a letter. My original intention was to do right. And so when things go wrong, we have to ask, what was the initial negotiation to do right? 
And so we, in a society that is split in so many ways, and we split on the racial lines, it was on the shores of, of this great nation that a man by the name of William Lynch came from the West Indies as a tobacco farmer. And he stood on the banks of the James River. Can I give you a little history today? And he was summoned to speak to slave drivers on how to keep their slaves loyal. I do want to make this disclaimer. Do not assume that you know where I'm going with this thing. You will like me after this. And he stood on the banks of the James River and he says, Men and brethren, you've brought me here today to ask me how to keep your slaves loyal. He says, I'm going to give you a few things that I need you to consider. And if you do this, your slaves will be loyal to you for years to come and maybe even hundreds of years after this. He says, play up the differences. So you must understand, Mr. Lynch, before we came to the letter of the issue, there was a spirit behind the issue. It was to separate people. And he says, what you've got to do, take your young slaves and separate them from your older slaves, the light skin from the darker skin, the intelligent from the less intelligent, the tall from the short, the size of the plantation. Tell the slaves on the big plantations that they are better than the slaves on the small plantation. We still think that way. You think because you work for a big company that you're all that. And tell the slaves whose masters has a greater status that they're more important than the slaves whose masters have a less, lesser status. Tell the slaves in the hills that they're more important than the slaves in the valley. Tell the slaves on the east that they're more important than the slaves on the west. Isn't it interesting? We still have the east side, west side fight and we don't know what it's about. The east is fighting the west and what we didn't know years ago, Mr. Lynch started the battle and we're still rapping about it. Tell those in the north that they're better than those in the south. He says, play up the young against the old, the male against the female. Beat up the males in front of their females so their wives will never respect them. And he says, and when you do this, you create a lasting separation. The, the issue is not only that this happens across color lines, it happens within the perimeters of our colors. That we, this thing has expanded because the spirit of the issue was not to set up race against race, but the spirit of the issue was to set up man against man. So that I do not find that there is value in white or black or Hispanic or Asian, but I see you for who you are first rather than what God has deposited in you. And so for as long as we look at the matter of an issue, I'm talking about someone who's been beaten and thrown and called a dog by people that's a different color. And I've had to learn as a person of faith, I've had to ask this question, what is the spirit of this thing? And so we have to get to the place in this beautiful nation as citizens and, 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 and counties and, and states have been pulled apart. By hatred to explore, I appeal to you to explore the spirit of the issue. What is the spirit of this thing? Where does it come from? Why is it here? Why in a society when Jesus is Lord of all of us, why is it that we do not see eye to eye? And so we live in a society that split on the color line and we split on the gender line. That one gender believe that they're more important than another gender and one is more sassy than the other. We split on the age line where the young believe that they're better than the old and the old look down on the young like they're nothing. 
and we do not see the value in one another, that two is better than one. That with one you can put a thousand to flight, but with two you could put 10,000 to flight. Which means mathematically that if I do something alone, I'm only a tithe of what I could do when I do something with someone else. That I could do better. Not only do I do better in, in, in addition, but better in multiplication. That I am more than I'm with you than I'm when, I, when I'm against you. That you don't have to be the same color and speak the same language. That we don't, all our eyes don't have to look the same. But if I can see that there's a Godness in you and I can connect to you, two is better than one. It is better than one. So we find a few stories, then we are split. I'll come back to that age thing. We are split socially. Where the who's who believe that they are better than the who's nothing. Uh, that you think because you know P. Diddy and Snoop Doggy and Pink Patty. That you are better than someone that doesn't know something. But I've come to learn that poor people can teach wealthy people something about life. That you would find that the suicide rate is higher amongst wealthy people than amongst poor people because poor people know how to bite the dust when the going gets tough. And what you need when you have money, you need a poor friend to teach you how to stretch your money. You need a poor friend to teach you how not to kill yourself when you lose your money. I need you when I have money. I need you when I don't have money. I need you when I smile and I need you when I cry. I need you when I shout like birthday girl and I need you when I day is flat and down and out. I need you not because of who you are. I need you because there's a God on the inside of you. I don't know who I came to preach to today, but somebody's got to understand that you have something on the inside of you that I need. I don't like your hair, but I need you. I don't like the way your breath smells, but I need you. I don't like your perfume, but I need I don't like your suit, but I need you. I don't like the color of your skin, but I need you. I need you because two is better than one. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm going to kill that devil today. I'm going to kill that devil today. If we don't preach about it, we won't fix it. I came out of a party to let you know that the stupid hatred needs to come to an end. It's not worth killing your brother and your sister just because you want to show your superiority. You need one another. There's a split in economic status, there haves and there haves not. Jesus helped me cool this brother down just for a second. I don't want all my African to come out immediately. You'll see how African I am. I borrowed some hair from the Indians. Eyes from the Mexicans, I guess, I don't know. Arabs. A waist from J-Lo. <laughs> when, I tie, when I get tired, I get stupid, so forgive me. 
Uh, I had a 36-hour flight two days ago. I'm flying out again tonight to go back another 36 hours to get home. The haves and the have-nots. The have-believes that they are better than the have-nots. What you don't know, you're one bad deal away from being a have-not. Or you're one good deal away from being a have. And the God who holds the world in his hand can flip the script on anyone in this room any day he wants. He's no respecter of man. He will take the last person and put him first. He will take the first person and put him in the back because he's God. There's the one evil, the one evil, the one evil that exists is the evil of ages. Generational evil. The two big challenges in the church in this day and age apostle is this the one is the race thing the other one is the generational thing where we do not appreciate someone that's not of our generation we don't understand the sound of this generation nor we do we understand the hearing of this generation we don't understand how they speak because they speak different does not mean that they speak wrong they're just speaking in this generation it was a day when you were young and your parents thought the same of you. And so we've got to appreciate that I might live in this generation, but I definitely don't have the answers for this generation. I actually came to preach today to a young person out there who understands how to fix this generation, but he needs an opportunity from someone that is an existing leader so that the emerging can be empowered. And so there's this battle between existing generations and emerging generations where we just don't see eye to eye. Ah, oh, I wish I had time for this, but watch quickly what the Bible says. Unless the hearts of the sons is turned to the, the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, he says, I will smite the land with a curse. And I've wondered what that curse was, and I came to this conclusion that if I have to rebuild something my fathers built already in their time, it's a curse because I'm wasting my energy doing something that has already been done. And so what I need is a relationship with the upcoming generation so I can download what I know and what I would like for them to do. So they be, I become a comma to their sentence. I don't become a full stop and they rewrite my sentence. Oh, you're not hearing me. Because two is better than one. There will always be a David that will build a temple or a city and have a desire. He has a dream now. The old will dream dreams and the young see visions. So David has a dream to build a temple, but God said it will be your dream, but his vision. Because dreamers and visions are supposed to, to coexist together. We're supposed to talk, but my dream is the vision of my sons. And if I don't communicate my dream to my sons, they won't understand that they've been endorsed with their vision. So there's this boy. I'm just going to drop one of these because I want to do some good stuff. There is, Mary is pregnant. And she's pregnant with Jesus and she's pregnant in a social disaster. And the social disaster goes like this. She's got to go and explain to everyone that she's been with the Holy Ghost. Who, who's your baby daddy? I went to church. I fell under the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost made me pregnant. Imagine how that will go down today. That was a story. 
while the angel communicate this with her, he says, you need to understand, Mary, that you're part of the emerging generation, but I won't leave you alone because Elizabeth is also pregnant. She's further down in years, and she's older than you. She's part of the existing generation, and two of you are pregnant at the same time. And the problem is this, this is where the separation comes in, that the existing generation looks at the emerging generation and say you're too young to be pregnant, and the emerging looks at the existing and say you're too old to have babies. But here we find both is pregnant at the same time. Watch, not only are they pregnant at the same time, but Elizabeth the forerunner is delivering John the forerunner to Jesus. So when they came together, the Bible says there was a leap in the two of them. This generation, more than any generation, needs a leap in this day and in this hour. And the reason why there's no leap in the church is because existing and emerging does not come together and the church is flatline no leap turn to your neighbor and say we need a leap in this house we need a leap in this place you'll only get a leap when an existing leader looks at emerging leaders the emerging look at the existing and say I honor you the, the existing look at the emerging and say I endorse you and we'll work together because two is better than one There's a man by the name of Samson. Ooh, I love this story. Samson is an existing leader. Uh, but Samson, instead of raising emerging leaders, he was playing with Delilah. <laughs> because you can't raise babies and play with your side salad. You have to decide, I'm either going to raise the next generation I'm going to play around with a covenant that's not my covenant. And so because Samson never raised an existing leader, successful in his days could have raised a son that would slay him more than he's ever slain in his life. Uh -uh. A man hangs out in Club 307. And the name is Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> uh, and Samson got blind because my mother told me that thing will make you blind. You see, they cut his hair, but the issue was not to get to his head, it was to get to his vision. Do you remember when Samson took revenge? He said, Lord, just one more time, let me take revenge for my eyes. They took my vision away. So they take his vision, and a man without vision is only good for one thing. They tie him to a millstone, and this is what he did every day of his life. Walked around in circles. Because he had no vision. An existing leader killed thousands. No vision. And he walks the millstone. So watch this quickly. So they said, call Samson so he may entertain us in the Colosseum. 
Because if you raise no sons, your old age will be entertainment. Oh, I wish there was, I wish I was speaking to a group of pastors here in their 50s. That's trying to compete with the spiritual sons. I'd say to them, you come, when you think you're competing, you're making a spectacle of yourself. There, there is no way, there's no way I've got spiritual sons. I'm, I'll be 50 in a couple of years' time. I, I've got spiritual sons in my, I cannot dare to compete with them in the pulpit. They'll preach me into a coma. They will preach me dead and then lay hands on me and resurrect me again and preach me dead again. I'll make a fool of myself if I try and compete with them. So they said, call Samson. This is a, a, a sonless father. Let him entertain us. So Samson comes, but they made one mistake. They said, call a boy, an emerging leader, to take his hand and lead him to the Colosseum. And now what they've done, they've created a connection between an emerging generation and an existing generation. And that there is a bad deal for the devil. Existing and emerging walk together and they start having a conversation. Because the thing is this, we have to talk to our sons. We've got to say to them the stupidness need to come to an end. We've got to talk to one another. And on their way to the Colosseum, they start talking to one another and the Samson says boy I want you to take my hands and I want you to place me what we need in this day and age is sons who will place their fathers on the potent places where they need to be placed to have great success and here this boy says yes I will and the boy placed him I have a question I have a question, how did the boy know? How did the boy know? Out of this Colosseum, which were the pillars? A Colosseum with hundreds of pillars. How did the boy know? Which pillars? Two pillars. In the right place to place Samson's hands. Because I believe there's an emerging generation that's been watching demonic coliseums. And they say, if you give me the opportunity, if you connect with me, if you would just walk with me, I can, Father, I can place you at the place that will cause havoc in the devil's enemy. But I need that relationship. I need your hand. I need your strength. But I've got the engineering. I've been watching this thing for a long time. If you put a mic in my hand on the right day at the right conference, I will show you what a preacher for this generation looks like. If you give me the opportunity at the right time, I'll bring this baby down. Say yes, somebody. Say yes. Say yes. 
There's a generation man of God. They've been sitting and watching you. They've been watching you preach, but they know what tomorrow looks like, and they won't do it on their own, but they're waiting for a day when you say, boy, come down here. You put oil on them, and you say, now I want you to take this mic and just greet the people just for a minute, and they'll say something in that minute that you will never be able to say in 20 years because they've got the engineering for this generation to be able to see and dissect the word. They have the hearing and they have the voice. They have the sound and the frequency to turn things around. There's a split between generations. Let me, let me rush on. I wish I had more time. Your brain has a hundred million nerve cells. Each of those nerve cells grows more than 200,000 branches. And those branches fires off a sequence of electronic sparks in your brain. And they work together to process 400 billion actions per second. It will take 620 supercomputers to process in 24 hours what your brain can process in a second. And it all works together to come up with several solutions to one problem. How is it that two believers cannot walk together? Billions of electric ignitions takes place in a second to find one solution. We can't work together in 20 years to solve one problem. How evil is that? Everything in creation is designed to work together. The periodic table of elements consists of some of the most powerful chemical elements. Everything in life is either affected by it, influenced by it, or changed by these chemical elements. But very few of them can work all by themselves. They all need to be fused with another. One of the greatest sustenance in life is water. Water, as I would say. Good English. But water consists of one oxygen and two hydrogen atoms to make one molecule of water. That if two elements don't work together, you won't be able to drink. Because creation has been designed to walk and work together. The fashion industry is what it is today because it's a mixture of fabric and colors and and shapes and all kinds of stuff. And it makes it powerful because it works together. Interior designers don't just work well, use one fabric and one color. They use different fabrics, different shapes, different colors, different textures, and different material to bring it together to make this powerful thing called a piece of clothing. The vehicle that you came with today is not just a piece of steel. In fact, the steel is an alloy of many different metals. 
But it's a combination of steel and rubber and water and oil and plastic and flammable fluid and air and paint and so on and so on. The food that you eat is a mixture of things. Spices within itself is a mixture before it's spices. It's already mixed by the time you mix it into your food. But you've got spices and oils and vegetables and meat and rice. You've got to mix together because to get anything that is appealing to you, you understand that more than one thing has to work together. My name is Jerome. J-E-R-O-M-E. If the J decides that he wants to separate from the E, I don't have a name. That all the letters in the alphabet has to work together to give you a name. You are nameless unless something works together. In order for us to reason with each other, to read, to be able to talk. Now words has to come together with spaces. Can you imagine reading a book with no spaces in between the words? What if the spaces decide that it's going to segregate itself from the words? Can you imagine what our education system, can you imagine what you would talk? How you would talk? The spaces need to work together with punctuation so that we can make sense. Everything in life works together. How is it that two believers cannot walk together? To get concrete, you need sand, crushed stone, and cement. That makes concrete. Otherwise, we won't have buildings like this. But when you mix concrete, concrete has no flexibility. Steel has flexibility, but no strength. Now what they've done, engineers said, you know what? If we marry steel and concrete, we can build a building as high as the Burj Khalifa of half a kilometer high. And it will be able to be flexible in the middle of the skies. How is it that two cannot agree? So my question today is, what is the spirit of separateness, of segregation. Because everything I just mentioned is segregation. To separate things. To find that one thing has no or a lesser important than the other thing. And you exclude such a thing because you feel it has no value. What is the spirit of the matter? The book of Genesis tells us something. I'm good on time. The book of Genesis tells us something. That the Babylonians, who was the evil people of that time, the people with no God or many gods, the atheists of the day, that they got together and they said, you know what, let's build a tower to go to heaven. And when they started building the tower, God looked at it and God says, let us go down because of what man has done. My question is not whether it was possible for them to build a tower or not. My question or my challenge that I have is the way God responded. It's the fact that he responded. What did they do that day that God said to his executive committee, let us go down and let us stop the work. 
What was the principle that they used? In fact, God enforces this principle so strongly. He says, if this is what they start to do, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Would you allow me to help you and share a principle that will make nothing impossible for you? Oh, you're not hearing I'm going to get back on a plane now. I'm going, if this is the crowd you spoke, you were lying to me. Would you allow me to share with you a principle that will cause you to have nothing impossible for you? These are evil people. They start to build. Heaven is interrupted by the building, but it's not because they built, it's because of a principle that they use, and this is the principle. He says, if as one people, your horses is my horses, your wallet is my wallet, your house is my house, your family is my family. He says, if as one people, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. The emphasis is on one people. The reason why we are separated and segregated is because the enemy know the formula for power is when two come together. When white and black comes together. When black and Hispanic comes together. When Asian and white comes together. My God. When the haves and the have-nots come together. When the hill and the valley comes together. When the money and the no money comes together. When the prisoner and the free comes together. The principle is if they can come together. If we can put our differences aside. If you can say your head doesn't trouble me. I need you to get together with me. Because I want to be a church that has all the power. Two is better than one. Say yes somebody. Say yes. Say yes. I don't know who I came to preach to today, but you've been trying to do it all by yourself. And God said in the meantime, the person that you're pulling your nose up for is the answer to your question. That's your prophetic word. That's the word of the Lord for you. As long as you don't like them, I won't speak to you. Say yes, somebody. Come on, say yes again. Try and do it all by yourself. God says, I've got a problem with this evil people. I don't know if they're going to make it to heaven. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say whether they could or couldn't make it to heaven. What the Bible did say, God was disturbed by this thing. God said, this here is the formula for power. If you want to know what power is, uh, don't even talk to me about the Holy Ghost. Talk to me about getting together with my brother. Forget speaking in tongues. Connect with your brother. Forget preaching the word. Connect with your brother and your sister and say, two is better than... Say yes. Come on, say yes. You don't want to get an African whooping here. <laughs> Watch quickly. Can, can I prove my point? The Bible says in the witness of two shall effect be established. So watch quickly. So it separates the language so they don't speak together. And I'm not talking about linguistically speaking. I'm talking about speaking in the spirit. But before we open our mouth, we're speaking. 
you've already spoken based on where you're sitting and who you're sitting next to. You, you don't have to utter a word in order to speak in the spirit. What you say out of your mouth is not what disturbs heaven as much as what you say in your spirit. How you feel about somebody else and how you feel about a certain thing and how you feel. How you are, you, you're restless about issues that are not important issues. The important issue is you have a child at home that is sick that needs a miracle. And you still want to worry about someone that you don't like and something that you don't like. You need a job and a breakthrough for your business. And you're concerned about, man, I don't like her. I don't like a perfume. Get over yourself, baby. Grow up. Smell the coffee. Wake up. There's something wrong with you. You better grow up very quickly and say my needs is greater than my hate the problem is still that you think your hate is going to birth your miracle it won't birth your miracle it will kill your miracle ah yeah you still hate certain things and certain people and certain status is because you've never had a problem that is so big that you would forget about those things if you've been to death's door like I was, if you had your children almost die like I have, if you almost had your house repossessed that I have had, if you had your car repossessed, if you had your dignity attacked, baby, you won't worry about what you ate, baby. You'll say, wear the skirt, wear the stilettos. I don't care if it's Jimmy Choose or Choosey Jimmy. I don't care what you wear and how you look. I'm going to love you because I need a miracle. I need you together with me. I cannot be separate from you. I I need you. Wear what you want to wear. Smell like what you want to smell. Don't brush your teeth if you don't want to brush your teeth. But I need you. Oh, yeah. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need you. My children need you. My business needs you. I need you because I need a miracle. Say it. Say it. I need you. I need you. Yes, I do. Gangster coming up inside. Hey! Hey! So in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, he separates them because they're not saved. In the book of Acts, people come from different languages. And they come in the same place. And he says, now you shall receive power. 
when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and he gives them a language that is one language. And he says, now in the beginning I separated your language so you stop talking to have power with no mandate. Now I give you mandate and I give you power. And they start talking again. But may I say this, that the most powerful language you'll ever speak is not in your own vernacular. But it's to speak in the spirit. Because in the spirit we move vibrations that no eye have seen, no ear heard, and no mind will know what God has in store for you. Can I ask you just for 30 seconds to open your mouth and speak in the spirit as one people speaking the same language. They have begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do shall be impossible for them. Say it. Say it. Let me take this thing home. Sit down for a few minutes. Let me take this thing home. Let me take it home. So, so, so quickly, I've, I've, got, I've got like four minutes left. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let the time stand still. <laughs> I, everyone's looking, man, this Africans, man, I wonder. No, no. We don't have electronic anointings. So watch quickly. So Jesus said to them, tell me who... Who does the people say that I am? And they said, some said Moses and Elijah or some great prophet, which was good. They, they, they tried to be kind to him. They understood he was great, but, but they missed it. And I, I think they missed it purposefully. And I don't have time for that, but I think they missed it purposefully. Because in Jesus' response, he says so. He says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus, this is what he said. He says, flesh and blood did not, did not reveal this to you. You didn't know that out of the flesh or out of the blood, or out of the mind. You knew this because I just downloaded that because you would never admit it even if you knew it. Let me explain why. Let me explain why. Because it was understood that the disciples take the character of the disciple. In other words, his name becomes my name. If I name you, I've named myself. So if I say you the Christ, I've then said I am the Christ. Now I have a responsibility to be Christ-like. And not Christ-like by behaving right, but Christ-like in terms of walking on water, laying hands on the sick and they will recover, going to Lazarus's grave and calling the dead man. That's what he was saying to them. So Peter was afraid to say this and, and he downloaded that thing. Now instead, ladies and gentlemen, can I introduce you to church people? This is church people. Instead of discussing the responsibility of being the Christ, they come to him and say, so who's in charge of this thing? Remember what they, they said, so who is the greatest in the kingdom? In fact, one of the mothers got involved in the thing. Remember one of the moms said, Lord, when you get there, can one of my sons sit on your right and one of my, on your left and side? That's church people. There's a move in town and the question is, Who's running the show? That there is what kills power. Everyone's trying to be in charge. So you want to know 
who's the one great person and I'm trying to show you who can collectively be great. <laughs> You're looking for one leader and I'm trying to build a company of leaders. So his response later down in the chapter, he says to them, foxes have holes. Can we first deal with that? So Mr. Jesus, it's either you didn't listen to the argument or something went wrong with you. But that's not the issue. The issue is who's the greatest. He says, no, no, no. Foxes have holes. He says, what he's really trying to say is that one fox don't go for one hole. But foxes go for a territory. You're trying to buy one car and he's trying to give you a fleet. Collectively. You're trying to build a church and he's trying to give you a city. Collectively. You're trying to get one loan and he's trying to give you a bank. Collectively. He says you're missing the mark. You're looking for a hole on the golf course and a hole in a Bentley. And you're looking for a hole with your own private jet. He says, I'm trying to get you collectively so everyone can have. This is the problem with the church. And this is, this is what separates us more. Because if you can have your hole, you can tell every holeless person, I got a hole. <laughs> and you segregate yourself further. Segregation is beyond color. Our problem is not color. Our problem is we hate ourselves. And I say we hate ourselves because you cannot celebrate your brother that has a hole. And when you have your hole, you think you're better than every other person that doesn't have a hole. So he says, the reason why foxes have their holes is... They do it as one. The birds of the air, they have their nest. When birds move from one season and from one climate to another climate, one bird will be ripped to shreds if he flies through bad weather. But when birds fly together, they don't fly with individual wings. All of the wings come together and they form one big wing. The reason why some people is stuck in the season is because you're trying to fly alone. This is what we want to do. You want to fly ahead and say, I'm first, I'm first. But the weather will rip you apart. You better get together with some people and say, fly with me. Flap with me. I'm in a bad season. I need someone to flap with me. I'm struggling in the storm. I need someone to flap with me. Turn to your neighbor, take your neighbor's hand and just for a second say, flap with me. Fly with someone. Don't fly alone. Get yourself a fly partner and fly with someone. Say yeah. Say yeah. I've been in the season for too long. I don't want to fly alone anymore. I need someone to fly with me. I don't like your hair, but I need your wings. I don't like
like your smell, but I need your wings. I don't like the way you look at me, but I need your wings. Flap with me. Say yes. I believe I can fly. I'm really getting stupid. Foxes have holes. The birds of the air, they have the nest. But the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. When Jesus died and was crucified, when he was crucified, he died and went to heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But if he ever had to return and empower the church, he cannot come as a person. Because he was already embodied. And when he was embodied, he went as a full person. The only way he can come back now is as a head. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, although we are many parts, we are one body. That the body needs to come together. And Paul warns us against feeling that you're superior to someone else. Because the part that you represent is better than the part that somebody else represents. The usher is as important as the pastor. The parking attendant, the pastor is higher in order, but he's important in grace. The, the, the car guard is as, is as important as everyone else. It doesn't mean we, we disrespect the pastor. It means we understand his grace level is higher, but we're all important. That there'll be chaos if you have no one watching your cars outside. So everyone's important. The problem here is everyone's trying to place themselves higher so I can feel better about myself. You've got a bad job and you're trying to make it up in the church. By having a position of importance and letting everyone else know that you the man. When you don't have the guts to be the man at home, can I, can I talk? Can I talk like I want to talk? Your wife's sitting on your head at home, so you want to sit on everyone's head at church. And you want to let them know that they're important. And by doing that, you're segregating the church. You're tearing the body apart. And now that the body is split, the head cannot come. If the head don't come, the Christ is not formed. If the Christ is not formed, there's no power in the church. So what I need is a body to be whole for the head to come. You've got to look at your neighbor and say, baby, get over yourself. Let's get together. Let's get together. Let's connect together. I need you. My children is dying. I need you. I don't have a job. I need you. I need the body to... Come together! I know you're cute, but come stand with me! We need the body together. He will not come to a body that's split. The head cannot come until the body comes together. If you want to know how to get power in the church, get the body together. Put your differences aside. How many of you need a miracle that is mind-bending? Put up your hand. You know, when I say a mind-bending miracle, it means I need one of those by tomorrow morning. I, I, I kid you not. I, I need one of those miracles by tomorrow morning. I need one of those miracles by tomorrow morning. I don't have time to hate you. I need you too much because my miracle must come through. And the miracle won't come in this house unless the body comes together so the head can rest and the Christ is formed. So you've got demon-possessed people remaining demon-possessed. You've got Lazaruses in graves. There's waters that we never walk on because the Christ is not formed in the house. The Christ is not formed 
because the head cannot come and the head won't come until the body is formed. We need one another. Everyone stand in this place, turn to two or three people and say, I might not even know you, but I need you.